Well, hello, hello. Welcome to TAO Intentions Podcast. Mazir Hidayati will be our first guest on this podcast season two. He is a Ottawa mortgage specialist. And I just wanted to take this season to focus on individuals within the community that are doing amazing things and are striving in their career and really pushing forward to become the most successful individual that they can be. And I have him here today. So I hope you enjoy this podcast episode and enjoy him as well. Don't forget to follow his social medias. All of these things will be posted at the end, plus the website. If you are looking for a mortgage specialist, he is the best person to contact. So now, hi, Mazier. Hi, Orkid. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been uh, excited to do this podcast with you. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I... I have been trying to get you for a while, but you know, the pandemic, it's pretty busy season. Yeah, it's been strange times, it's strange times, but we're here now. Yes, we are. While you're here, I'm actually going to have you say your name in full. It's Maziar Hidayati. Hidayati, I really like the name. Um, Thank you. I would just like you to begin the podcast episode by telling me about yourself and your background. Of course. uh, so myself, tell me about myself. I was raised, uh, I was born in Iran um, and came here when I was nine. And I've been here for about 28 years now, um, most of my life here in Ottawa. Um, I think we met in school, so I like uncle in college. What was it? We were 20, 21 years old. And um, yeah, what else, what else can I really tell about myself? I don't usually like talking that much about myself, as ironic as it sounds being on a podcast. Well, you know what? A lot of professionals don't like talking about themselves. I've met a few people where, you know, I've really shocked them when I asked the question, tell me about yourself. I actually have to say that I thought you were Persian. Yeah, so we are. Okay, so uh, Iranians are Persian, um, but the country is Iran. It used to be formerly known as Persia, and it got changed into uh, Iran when it became an Islamic country. Um, When people still ask me, I say I'm Persian, but it's from the country of Iran. Okay, that's why I was kind of... I mean, I I do like your last name. It's the way it rolls off the tongue. So whenever you say your last name, it sounds way better than when I say your last name. And so Let's when hear I it. Uh, no no, that's okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not that bad. Let's hear it. No, come on, we're not doing that. I already said it in the beginning um, of the podcast episode. I feel like once you listen to this podcast episode again, you're gonna send me a message saying, "Oh my God, you torched my last name." And I'll go, I'm so sorry. This is why I asked you to repeat it twice. Um, so when was the last time you went back home? And what do you miss and love about your country? Um, that's a good question. I haven't been back since I came here. Uh, the way it works back home is if you haven't done your military time and you leave, uh, there's a good possibility that you'd have to do it or you'd have to buy your way out. Um, so unfortunately, since I've been here, I haven't gone back. I do consider Canada to be my home. Do I have a desire to go back? I mean, yes, I do. It's it's where I came from. It's you know, want to go back and re 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 invest in reinvent some of the culture that I have lost. Um, but I think the world's a beautiful place, and there's a lot of other places I want to see beforehand. Mm-hmm. Kind of wait till the country becomes somewhat like it was before we left. Okay, and when did you leave to come here? In '93. '93. Wow. Okay. I think I came. I think you came here before I did. Then, because I came to Canada around 1998 in December when it was snowing. You came at the same. Our parents came at the wrong time. Eh? Yeah. 
we could have met at the airport. We could have been instant friends. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when exactly. So when you, before you came to Canada, I just want to hear a bit more about your country and what you love about it. And I mean, now that you haven't, you're not able to go back home, what do you miss about it? The one thing about the Persian culture is um, how friendly they are. Like you'd be on the street, someone say hi to you, and next thing you know, they're inviting you over for dinner. I don't think that's um, looked upon as much here. Uh, so definitely how open people are, open-armed people are to let someone in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we first came here, I, you, I tried that a couple of times, it's, it's very different. You kind of adjust and transition to the different lifestyle and the different way of doing things here. Um, so I think that's one thing I miss, and of course the food. Mm. Uh, nothing beats the, the, the taste buds that you grew up with, right? Yes. So there are certain dishes that no matter what, you just can't replicate it here in Canada just because everything from bananas to some of the drinks that we'd have back home cannot be replicated here, even if they do um, uh, transport it to Canada from Iran. Yes, I do find that you are completely right. Back home, the food is different. It tastes different, maybe because it's so fresh. Yeah, I mean, even for you guys, you know, back home, everything is organic. Right? Oh, yeah. You, know, it's, it's, you have the genetically genetically modified chicken and then you have the organic chicken we're back home it's everything was organic so you can taste the difference in the chicken you can taste the difference in the fruits just because let's say the fruit did come from there well they, they kind of freeze it and disturb the the growth cycle of that fruit or whatever it is that's coming down right yeah exactly i do because i know in my culture we usually pick everything from our tree like we have certain things in our backyard we have the breadfruit we got the aki and you know we might go to the market for the for the salt fish, but we're an island, so majority of the things that we get when it comes to seafood is quite fresh. If you go out to restaurants right by the water, most likely the owner of that restaurant has a boat and someone that goes out and literally catch the fishes in the morning, and it's you're getting fresh fish from that day. So uh, trying to get me hungry, but it's working. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I miss I miss food when I go back home. That's literally what I spend my money on when I go back home is the food and just going places. And I love going to the markets. I love seeing the people. I like hearing the noise. My I think one of my favorite memories of back home is driving around at night, especially through communities. There's always somebody with a huge stereo system and they're just playing music. But it's, you know, our culture music. And it's just so loud and it echoes throughout the entire neighborhood. So it, it just tells people to come by, you know, buy some food, drink some beer and enjoy. And you have the kids outside, the music's playing. And that's honestly one of my favorite memories of, of back home. I love driving at night. Back home is Jamaica, am I correct? That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, um, certain places really know how to live and I would say that about especially Caribbean countries um, they know how to slow things down and appreciate the little things yes and then when they wake up in the morning they get stressed about something tomorrow but for tonight they're gonna live in the moment and they're gonna enjoy it with their friends and their family so I, I do miss that about Jamaica I wish I could bring that here with me but unfortunately we live in Ottawa and I do find Ottawa a little too busy yeah I think it gets like that when you start going to places where the mindset is more on creating a uh, certain lifestyle based on uh, you know uh, growing what their, our definition of success here success is here in North America, right? You know, thankfully you 
look at North America, there's lots of opportunities, but at the same time, we kind of get lost in what our um, long-term goal is with those opportunities, right? Whether we're chasing a certain kind of success, that we're in those countries, they might not have the same opportunities, but they're just enjoying it and being content. Do you, do you feel that that's the reason why you like traveling so much? Like once you get off the plane, you get on the plane in Canada and you go to maybe a different country, doesn't matter where in the world, but you get there and it just kind of makes you feel lighter, like the burden's off your shoulder, you're less busy, you're less stressed. Do you feel that that's your biggest motivation when it comes to traveling? 100%. It's, 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 it's connecting as well. Well, it's, it's getting a reset and connecting. Right. Everywhere I go, I try to connect with the people, connect with the culture. I think it's very, very important. I'm not one of those people that, you know, gets on a plane and gets picked up at a resort, get, gets picked up at the airport and goes to a resort and say, I went to that country. I like to actually go and connect with the people and learn about the culture. Because for me, that gives me that reset I need. And, you know, it allows me to kind of have that self-growth and keep myself a little humble. Because even for me, sometimes I get lost in the... And the, and the mindset that we tend to have sometimes here in North America. Yes, I agree completely. So where did you go to school and what did you study? Oh, uh, I went to Algonquin. I went actually, I started as business admin, did a year of business admin. Uh, then, I, then I went into uh, bartending, not just to become a bartender, but it had a, there was a bartending course that taught you how to manage and own a own bar mm-hmm. or own restaurant. So I really liked that, did that. And then after that, I took a year off. Uh, then I went into electrical engineering. Oh, wow. So I did my two-year two-year electrician uh, diploma, and I realized, you know, it's, it's just not what I. It wasn't for me. You know, it was a lot of things I did just to do it, but I was always a firm believer of doing something that you're gonna enjoy. You know, we all need. I think at the end of the day, we all want to do something that gives us purpose. It's just trying different things till we find that one thing that we really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, one day I was, you know, just trying to come up with different things to do. Uh, you know, tried to be a sale, car salesman, works for the government, and uh, none of it gave me that stimulation, mental stimulation that I that I seeked. And uh, one day I'm like, let's give this whole mortgage thing a try, just because I had a mortgage myself. Yeah. And my experience that I had with the bank, um, you know, didn't make me feel comfortable or made me feel like I was asking stupid questions. So I'm like, huh. I think we got something here because I think in anything you do, it's about giving customer service. So then I took a step and I dove into becoming a mortgage agent. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I do remember that's exactly where I met you was Algonquin College at a party. That was that was a special party. <laughs> I still remember it. That was, uh, oh boy, we're going back. That's about 15 years ago. Yeah, I know. I think I at some point I swear I embarrassed myself, but I didn't regret it because I think well, I don't remember that. Okay, I'm gonna tell the story, and you yes. might be disgusted because if you don't remember it, maybe you were too drunk to remember. But uh, we were we were all drinking. I think at some point you were mixing drinks as well. I didn't even know you you were taking bartending at the time. And um, I went with a few of my friends that were in my program. It turns out you were connected with them as well, and that's how you ended up at the party. And I think it was in Gatineau. We were in Gatineau. And um, yeah, so at some point, I don't remember if it was in the house, at the house party, or if we went to um, a location or went to the club at the time. And I did this, but I remembered I ended up drinking a little too much, and I really, really needed to pee. Because I'm the type of person that alcohol just goes right through me for some apparent reason. 
but I still feel the buzz, but it just goes right through me. And I remember you were in a washroom because you had used the washroom and you washed your hands and I could not wait for you anymore. So I pushed open the door and I closed the door behind me and I sat on the toilet and I peed and you were like, whoa, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, buddy, if you don't like it, turn your head. And you were like, wow, <laughs> that's never happened to me before. And I just peed. I did not care. I did apologize to you, but I said, I'm not getting off this toilet. I need to pee. I need to pee. You were taking forever. <laughs> I do do that. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I don't, like, you, I'm, I'm very impressed and amazed by how good your memory is. I mean, I thought I had pretty good memory, but I don't recall that event. But, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, I was pretty drunk probably too, but whenever we drink, the next day we're like, oh my God, people probably realize that because you you remember the stupid or you know the stupid thing that you think you did but everyone is in the same boat no one remembers or recollects what you've done they're worried about their own stupidities <laughs> and their own drunkness and what kind of uh, act they might have done while they were drunk so i don't remember that but that is a pretty good story <laughs> it was and that's that story kind of like meeting you i knew i was going to remember you but doing that, because I remember everything. If I drink, I remember everything, every single thing. I remember every face. I remember everything. So the fact that I did that with you, I think you actually stayed in the washroom while I was till I finished peeing, and we ended up just talking while I was on the toilet peeing. Like that's how bad it was, okay. and that's how we bonded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can't say I remember that, but uh, again, I was probably back then. I used to drink a lot too, so uh, that that might explain. Yeah. Well, you ended up remembering me anyways, so I guess I did something right. Yeah, you did something right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a good story, though. Make sure I'll, I'll remember that from now on. And if I ever need to you, answer you, I know, I know what to go with. Oh, I'm sorry. It's already on the podcast. Everyone's going to hear it now. You cannot blackmail me. Yeah. No, I guess so. Well, I, I respect and admire you for sharing that story because some people would be embarrassed about telling a story like that. Well, I personally think that's a very funny story and that's something to be proud of because uh, at, at the end of the day, if you need to go, you got to go. Exactly. But I felt for me, it, it, I didn't know you. I met you for the first time that night, but I just felt I could trust you. I don't think I would have done that with anyone. And keep in mind, while I was in there, we were literally talking and laughing together, even if you don't remember. So I... I it was a pleasant memory for me anyways. I laughed when I remembered it the next day. Well, I'm flattered to hear that. <laughs> so what kind of skills did you learn from your previous job that is now useful in your career as a mortgage specialist? For me, I think the most important thing is uh, having people skills. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's very, very important. Some people don't think it's, they say you either have or you don't. I'm very neutral with that opinion. I find having that skill does help in any industry, no matter what you do. Some people say you're a people's person until you work with people. For me, it's all about having patience and trying to put myself in that person's shoes. Mm -hmm. Whether it's you know uh, serving or bartending, which I used to do, to doing what I'm doing right now. I think empathy, sympathy, having the right intentions is, is very, very important in any industry. Yes. Especially if you want Especially if you're working. Well, I do. I, I mean, going back to when I first met you, I did notice that you were you had very strong people, personal people skills and you were quite empathetic. And that was just my first meeting. So I feel like that is just a part of your personality in general. I think it's the way we're raised. It's, uh, again, I would like to say from where I came from, it's always be nice to people and be polite. So it's kind of been ingrained. Uh, try not to judge people. Right? I think it's very important. 
we all do a lot of judging. It's, it's, I'd be lying if I say I don't judge, but it's more catching myself and just making people feel comfortable around me. It's very important. It is very important. Now, tell me a little bit about the, the appeal. Like, what sparked and motivated you to become a mortgage specialist? I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, saying that, you know, you've worked many different jobs and, you know, you did not find fulfillment. But what was the appeal of becoming a mortgage specialist? For me, I've always wanted to be able to work from anywhere, right? Um, and, and do something that the amount of work I put in eventually pays off and shows and reflects off the, the time I put in, right? Um, so for me as a, as a mortgage broker, you know, I, I work nine to nine sometimes. The reason I got into it is because I'm like, I want to be able to sit on the beach and work and be involved in having a purpose. Right? At the end of the day, I think we all want to have a purpose in life. We don't even realize subconsciously sometimes, you know, you're going to have that neighbor who calls, calls, calls by lawn because they feel like they're part of the neighborhood watch and that's their purpose. Um, I didn't want that for myself. I wanted something that helped people. So I took the skills of saying, hey, look, I really like talking to people. I enjoy making a difference in people's days. I enjoy making people laugh. I, I enjoy making friends. So I'm like, what better way than being part of people's biggest investments? So for me, what I do is pretty much help people from A to Z. You know, again, as I said, I got one of the reasons I got in was when I got my first mortgage, you know, I went to someone at the bank and they made me feel like any question I was asking was a stupid question where my whole objective is to make people realize I'm here to hold your hand from A to Z. The process does not have to be stressful. I'm here to answer any question you have. And those kind of things do make me feel like what I'm doing is making a difference in, in people's day-to-day uh, -day lives. Okay. So being a mortgage specialist means that you are your own boss. As you mentioned before, sometimes you'll work nine to nine and you want to be able to travel and still be able to work while you're on vacation. So your success depends on how much work you put in to your career. How does it feel to be in control of your own success? There's, there's no feeling better. <laughs> there's no feeling better because, again, it, the, the work that I put in is what I get, I get back, right? Especially when you're, you know, points where you're about to give up on something and you go through with it and see the results. To me, there's nothing more satisfying than that. It's actually an addiction in a way. You know, it's addiction to have... Uh, certain situations where you know a family comes to you and they're feeling very stressed and vulnerable because uh, they don't feel like they have the potential to purchase a home or refinance their home, and you strategize and come up with different options for them to be able to obtain that home. Right? It's a it's a feeling that I want to say I can't put into words, but if there's one word I can use, it's very it's it's very satisfying. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, I'm glad you shared that because a lot of people always you know glamorize working on your own, working by yourself, owning your own business. And so I just kind of wanted to hear it from your, your voice. Yeah. It's, um, I think, you know, there's, there's different kinds of people. Certain people want to have that security, um, working their nine to five or eight to four where, you know, they can save up, they got the retirement plan. And I understand that, you know, it's being self-employed and working for yourself is not for everybody. Um, I guess I'm, one of those people that like to take risks. I've taken certain risks that's brought me to where I am in my life right now, um, and and I and I I wouldn't do anything any other way. Yeah. Um, but you know, some people ask me, has the journey been easy? The first couple of years isn't. You know, like going to school for anything you go to is about two to five years. So 
I don't know if I've told you, but I'm not just a mortgage broker. I'm also team manager for uh, the brokers I work for, which means I have about 12 agents that work with me. So I train them and I uh, help them grow their careers as a mortgage agent. Mm -hmm. Um, That alone is a blessing because every time you teach, you learn a little bit more about the industry yourself. It's also making people realize the traits they have in themselves, where a lot of times we don't even realize it. Yeah, well, I always kind of assumed that you were a teacher. You would have made a very good teacher. (laughs) I'm actually learning that more about myself. Ironically enough, I would say in the last two years, I've learned the traits that I have in myself that are great in excelling in part of the industry. And there's certain parts that it's just um, not more forte, let's just say, where I try to outsource it, right? Um, So I try to focus, and a lot of times we try to focus on the things that we don't do well. I think it's great to acknowledge it, Mm -hmm. but focus on the traits that will make you successful and try to outsource the traits that are not uh, abilities that you're the best at, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I try to take that exact same model and remind my my coworkers that work with me of how to excel and, you know, I always like to reassure them of what they have going for themselves that's going to make them successful. At the end of the day, we all need to hear that once in a while. It's really surprising that you're saying to me that, you know, you you just started learning this about yourself. Honestly, I kind of knew this about you from way back when. Because even after our first meeting at that party, we had had, you know, certain conversations or talked about certain things outside of that party. And the way you did speak to me... I really felt that you would have been a great teacher. It's how you articulated you. yourself, how detail-oriented you were. I remember you were telling me a story, and I was shocked that this this even happened to to guys. And I won't share it on the podcast because you might not remember, and it's quite embarrassing for you. Uh, but we were downtown, and we were having that conversation, and I went, what? Because you were living downtown at the time. And even when you were explaining that situation and how embarrassed you felt and you were like, oh, my God, I can't believe women actually go through that. I felt that you would have been a great teacher. You know, I think as we get older, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't like that. That's great to hear. Um, and I've heard certain uh, certain uh, opinions, certain uh, statements very similar to that about myself before. But I think till we get a certain age, we don't realize those qualities or realize certain things about yourself. Um, you know, I, I, in my 30s, I would say are the best years of my life, and I say that, I preach that to a lot of people, because you start noticing those things about yourself. You start acknowledging those traits that other people have said to you, but you now don't need to hear from people anymore as much, because you actually see it in yourself, right? Yeah, I was just wondering where you went to complete your certification for to become a mortgage specialist. I went online, there's a couple different companies that do it. The one I used was called Remick. Um, so it's just an online course, they send you the book, you, you get ready for the exam, and then you go to the exam at one of the schools. Uh, right now what they're doing is everything's virtual, of course, so they get you to uh, open your camera, they look around the room when you do your exam, uh, but po- pre- pre-corona, pre-COVID, it was uh, all done at the, at the universities or colleges. Okay, and did you find that your friends and family supported your business by promoting you as well as sending clients your way or did you find that you you achieved more success on your own just with new people no that's a really really good question i think that's my favorite question you've asked so far i think coming in the industry i think it's just a human way of thinking is we all expect 
family and friends to help us and I had that uh, mindset as well for me I try not to rely on that you know there's, there's I see I see people often say or complain about well I'm not getting support from friends or family and, and my remark to them is well what is it you're doing that makes them not give you the support that you're asking it's how much what work you're putting into it right 100% and you know what if you really want to take yourself out of your shoes and try to understand why would your friends and family give you all the personal information when it comes to what I do for a living right mm-hmm. um which can go for everything else as well. Again, going back to, you know, we're humans of habit where we like to, instead of thinking about what we could do differently, we're always saying, well, I don't have support from my friends and family. Well, what can you do differently to have that support from those people that you consider friends and family? Why are they not supporting you? Again, that's how I try to look at it. Is if I'm trying to grow my business, even with my, my client, if I'm doing something wrong, I try to take that step back and say, okay, what did I do wrong here? that I wasn't able to give that same kind of customer service. To me, that's where growth begins. Yeah. I also feel that people need to feel that you are an investment. A hundred percent. And, you know, I I, I say the same for uh, mortgage brokers or agents and realtors. There's realtors that are tour guides and there's mortgage agents and brokers that are rate providers where, you know, there's like the successful realtors and mortgage brokers are the ones aren't there to just make a sale and show you a house or give you a rate. It's the ones that are there to invest in you long term, right? For me, I don't just sit there and say, here's the best rate. I'll sit down with you and be like, okay, let's figure out how much money you have. Let's figure out what your five-year investment uh, plans are. Let's see what kind of funds you have at the moment and come up with a plan that suits person for person, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where there's a division between someone that's just gonna offer you a rate and someone that actually has sincere intentions for you long term mm-hmm. that's true that's very true they kind of need to see the work they need to see you doing something i know that for for myself if i'm going to recommend somebody i need to see that they're working i need to see that they're putting their best foot forward and i'm not going to send someone that i know um, that i have good rapport and a good reputation with to somebody that's going to um tarnish that by just being sloppy or just expecting the business without actually doing the work so for me that would what would be the reasons why i would hold back on even sending anyone to anyone else yeah, and i think we're in a place in the you know we're living in a generation now where you know you have lots of social media everything's obtainable with just one click so referrals is everything so if, you, if i if, you, if i did your mortgage and i gave you a good experience you're most likely not going to send me any of your friends or family yeah um, so when you have that genuinity People smell it. People are not stupid. People sense it when you're being you're being genuine. Yeah. If you're sincerely genuine with them, or if you're just trying to make a buck. Right? That's very true. Uh, for me, for me, my, my online reviews are very important. Uh, my referral system is very important, and that has been my uh, main tool of growing my business to what it has and what it will continue. To mm-hmm. All right. So. Did the company that you work for send you clients upon starting or did you have to find your own clients? Did you just hit the ground running? I know certain companies do that and other companies just say, no, you're on your own. I'm giving you a job. Now go out there and find your own clients. Um, no, they, no, they didn't uh, provide you anything. You pretty much as soon as you get uh, So as soon as I got my certification, I found the brokerage that I wanted to work with because you need to be under a brokerage to be licensed. And from there, I came up with a couple of different uh, things I did first. They called your wedding list. So wedding list is all the people you would invite to your wedding. Um, so I message everybody on my social media 
let them know that I'm doing mortgages now. Okay. I also made a post. Then I created a lead generator where I would go uh, call. You know, it's, it's the scariest thing calling strangers and trying to talk to them about their uh, finances. Um, but it's it's really getting out of your comfort zone. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I remember I used to go to certain areas in the city, meeting random people from like cold calling them and talking to them about mortgages, right? And that was really getting in my comfort zone. But it was just interacting, talking to people about mortgages, just to get a little bit more confidence, a little bit more knowledge of the industry, right? Because you can get all the training in the world, but if you haven't gone out and got some hands-on experience, I don't think in any business you'll actually be able to succeed. That's true. So how the, difficult was it to build a reputation for yourself then? You know, I'm still building a reputation for myself now. It's been four years I've been in the industry. Um, I would say after the second year, you know, my word got out of the way I like to do service and. Um, you know, my intentions with clientele. But the first two years is very difficult because who wants to give a new person a try, especially when it comes to financing? You know, if you're selling a home, you know, someone can say, okay, how hard is it to sell the house? And they'll give you opportunity. But if, if I'm the one that's financing, helping you get approved, you know, if it's me compared to someone who's been doing it five to 10 years, most of the times they're gonna go to that person that's been doing it for five to 10 years. And I totally understand that, right? So the first couple of years was really showing my hunger and showing my determination. And then from there, uh, it got much easier because people saw that, you know, I'm, I'm serious about this. I'm not just here to make a buck. This is my career. This is what I'm doing long term. Yeah, I really like the term hunger. That really stood out for yeah. me when you said it. Yeah, you have, you have to. You know, it, it, it can go both ways. So there's hunger where you're trying to make a buck or hungry for that, for, the, for, 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 for obtaining a vision you have, right? You know, I, I made sure I was still working as a as a server at that time being, uh, just because I didn't want to be that guy that was just that was desperate to make the dollar because people again sense that. So I made sure I still had a job my first two years, and then I got to a point where I I had this talk with a couple of friends at a cottage, and they're like, you know, you, there's a point where you're gonna have to let that job go, and I was working there for a long time, so. It was really getting out of the comfort zone and leaving my primary source of income. But yeah. it's like, it got to a point where I'm like, all right, like I'm putting, let's say, 30 hours a week in this place, making, let's say, $1,000, $2,000. With that amount of time, it got to a point after two years where I'm like, I can put that into uh, educating myself, marketing myself, advertising, getting out there, meeting more people. So it became, what, how am I managing my time? Uh, which way is best for me moving forward? So after two years, I let go of my primary source of income because the mortgage industry started becoming my primary source of income and it came to a point that I was comfortable and confident leaving my uh, my serving job. Okay, that's actually pretty good. I've heard of people talking about that where they says if you know if you have a side hustle or you're doing something on the side, if it's not paying you as much as you are making at your current job or more, then you shouldn't be leaving your job for it. And so when you kind of broke down your decision and what were the factors that contributed to, to you deciding to walk away from that job and focusing on being a mortgage specialist, it kind of aligns with what I've been hearing from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand some people want to go full force. Again, even the people that work with me, I tell them the same thing. Hey, if you have that job, totally understand. Keep that job because you don't want to get uh, too thirsty. Let's just say, because if you're so desperate for work, 
you for, you'll forget the main objective is giving that customer service, right? Because you need you need to you need to make money. You have to make money to make ends meet. So I always say, don't leave that first source of income. But if you want to grow in this industry, there comes a day, whether it's one year, two year, three years, where you gotta let that old job go because you're focusing on something that you're considering as your passion, as your long-term career. Yeah. So I know that um, a lot of people are not trusting of people who are new to a profession. Do you find that it was hard to secure clients due to your inexperience? I was actually pretty uh, lucky for the fact that, um, you know, I always had a good relationship with people. I always try to be genuine with people. So when I got in, it wasn't like I didn't have a good network of people that I was on good terms with and had a good relationship with. Uh, so the trust was already there based on who I was with them, right? Uh, imagine if I was the exact opposite person where, you know, didn't have respect for people or wasn't really attentive to people's feelings, if you want to call it, or I just wasn't as attentive. Then I think if I got in the industry and now started trying to be friends with all those people, it'd be a little different because it wouldn't be as uh, organic, right? Where yes. when I got in, I messaged people that I, well, I, was, I already had a relationship with and said, hey, look, I'm, I'm in the mortgage industry. So the trust was already there. So it was a little easier for me, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I don't know. I've heard a lot of people who say that, you know, whatever industry that they're in, that because they're young and they're they're inexperienced, they don't have 25 years, 30 years under their belt. They do find it hard to talk to people who just kind of loves to question their abilities and feel that they don't know what to do and every single thing that they do they just kind of micromanage them and so it gets very annoying um because of that so i was just wondering if this is something that you have experienced it's learning not to be so hard on yourself and and, and i do this i say this in a lot of my trainings as well is you no know, no one wants to make mistakes but those mistakes will got, become, make you stronger and you need to make mistakes again no one likes to make them i don't like making mistakes but i still make them to this day i'm just a little more comfortable making because what I do is acknowledge it, right? Um, I, I no longer can use the saying, hey, I'm sorry about that, I'm new to the industry, but I'm comfortable of acknowledging and accepting if I do make a mistake, because at the end of the day, it's how you react to that mistake you make. Mm -hmm. right? I like that. Would you say that the company you work for support your growth, and how do they do that? Yeah, we work in a brokerage that is, is somewhat like a family. We're all there to help each other grow. You know, if I, if I have any questions, I'm at a point where, you know, I try to educate myself every day on some kind of mortgage topic. But if I have a questions, there's always mortgage brokers who have been in the industry for longer than me that are there, uh, which has helped our brokerage become a very recognized brokerage in Ottawa. We're called Mortgage Approvals Ottawa Team. Mm -hmm. We're 40 plus agents uh, for the fact that we have uh, an environment where we're generally all there to help each other. So anytime I have any questions, there's always someone that is there to answer my question, which has taught me to have that leadership role of doing the same thing because that's how I was. That's that's the that's the the mirror that I was given, right? So I'm I'm reflecting the same thing to other agents. Now. Wow, it sounds like it's a community that you know this company or this brokerage has. Like everyone they hired, they've made sure felt comfortable, felt that they can talk to each other, and created a community of support around each other and that's that's beautiful it really is i'm definitely you know i've, I've had opportunities of working other places and i would definitely say i've never thought about going anywhere else because of the brokerage i work with and how supportive everyone is and you know when you have the top of the chain being supportive it's hard for you not to learn that model as well right yes 
All right. So what should a potential client expect from you as a mortgage specialist? Uh, transparency, uh, customer service. I believe it or not, I work on the weekends. I pick up my phone. Knowledge. You know, knowledge is very, very important to me. And, you know, step one to ten of the whole process um, and empathy. I think it's so important to have empathy. And you might say, what what sense do I mean empathy so if I never had you know I'm an investor myself so I've had several processes of obtaining a mortgage so when a client is stressed about a situation and I think this is the most important thing you know put aside knowledge and everything else but if a client calls me and they're stressed I feel their stress right like I, I, it's a good thing and a bad thing because I treat like their home like my own you know I, I there's nights where I lose sleep over a deal that hasn't been closed yet because I've been there, so I understand what kind of stress they're going through. Until you've experienced it yourself with doing your own transaction, it's very hard to have that. So I find that is something that allows my clients to have a more of a peace of mind when they do come to me with stress. Or when I sense their stress, I kind of reassure them without even them having to tell me their stress. That's good. I think that's very, very important. That's what's and What's it's also really good bad. that you don't get stressed. You can't, you know, you can't. You have to feel, uh, you have to understanding of their stress, but not let it stress you because then they are the professional. I've experienced it myself. I know what they're going through, but if I stress as well, then it's just going to accumulate more stress. So what I always try to do is catch it when I see someone stressing and say, hey, you know, I, I see you're, you're stressed about this. I understand where you're coming from, but don't worry, we're going to get this job done. Yes, and I like that. It's that comfort. It's letting them know that they're, they're what they're doing, their project, what they're so stressed about is in the right hands and you're going to take care of it and they don't have to worry about it and you're going to make sure that you give them the best deal possible to fit their lifestyle. Or, you know, maybe for the next five to ten years they're going to be good and if in the five or ten years turns out the deal could be better, you know, they can easily come back to you. That's exactly it. And for me, you know, um, when I first started, it was about providing people with rates. And, you know, sometimes I get people that call me for rates and it's, uh, tell them, like, it's like, I'm not your guy. Even though I will usually get a very competitive rate, it's more the customer service and the relationship I'm aiming to build with people. Because that's what my business is, right? It's not uh, just about getting a rate. It's like, it's like going to a restaurant. Do you want to go to a restaurant that just has cheap food? You most likely not go back to that, even though you know, it, it, it fit your your budget. You want to go somewhere that has quality food. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's where where I am. Um, you know, I still uh, promise people a very competitive rate, but it's you know providing them with the customer service, providing them with a long term plan, and pro- providing with the value that they seek. Yeah. Uh, especially in today's industry right now, it's all about providing a customer service that they might not be able to get if they go into their bank right exactly so i mean now that we're, we're still on that topic of conversation i just kind of wanted to ask this question i realized realized i did not put that in my questions but have you ever have how many clients or if, have you ever turned someone down before who wanted to hire you as a mortgage specialist uh, okay um i've turned down three people okay you know two of them was because they just wanted the best rate and I said you know for me like you know they were talking to a couple of different brokers and I always explain look if you were my client would it be fair to you if I was not giving you as much attention because I had other people that were just shopping for rates yeah right and uh, again I understand we all want the best rate we all want the best deals and I get it but um, for me it's 
again, building that relationship with you. Because let's say you're looking for, let's use this example, right? If you're just focused on the rate, you're not seeing all the other stuff that comes with it. For example, I'll use a, um, a, 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 one bank will give you a 1.99, okay? Okay. And then another bank will give you 1.59. So you go with the 1.59 rates, customer service is horrible, the person gives you no information about the, the bank that you're going with, and then two years down the road, you want to break that mortgage. You go to break the mortgage, you realize that that 1.59 rate, that lender is charging you $20,000 to break your mortgage. Holy. Where the one, exactly. Uh, where the one that's 1.99 will probably charge you two to 3000 so that, that rate ends up costing you much more money than the 1.99. Wow. Right? And there's a lot of these, a lot of these uh, stipulations that a lot of people don't know with certain lenders. So when I, you know, when someone calls me for just a rate, I say, what is it that you want? They're like, just the best rate. How long do you have till your, your house closes? Oh, I have three weeks. I'm like, well, unfortunately, you know, everyone wants the best rate. And that lender is going to take at least four to five weeks to get just get back to you. And on top of that, if you break your mortgage, which six out of ten Canadians break their mortgage within, I believe it's 38 months in their contract. So imagine if you break your mortgage, that rate that you thought was good was actually costing you more in the long run than getting that one that was at 1.99. Okay, I did not know that. So I'm really glad that you shared that. Wow, okay, thank you for taking this random question and I threw it at you, did not prepare you for it, and you came with like an amazing, you know, experience in explaining something that maybe a lot of people did not know. You'd be surprised how often people don't know it's, uh, you know, there was a realtor actually in the paper, it was when COVID just began, and, you know, he was worried that it was going to have to work, so he went to sell his home. Uh, when he went to sell his home, um, such and such bank threw him, slapped a $20,000 uh, a penalty for them to for, because they were breaking their mortgage wow. where they had no idea of that whoever was giving them the mortgage did not give them those details so they're going there because they had a good rate they have no idea they're breaking their mortgage and paying a $20,000 penalty so it was all over newspaper kind of reminding people to educate yourself or, or get yourself a team of a good realtor a good mortgage broker good lawyer good insurance broker that are going to be there on your side. It's, it's very, very important. It's the biggest investment you're going to make. Okay, wow. So what do you do as a mortgage specialist, and how is it different um, compared to the banks and what they provide to the public? I, I don't want to put down the banks because some of these banks I actually work with. But, you know, for me, this is what I do for a living. I do mortgages all day, every day. You know, at the bank, and I know it sounds really bad, but they don't care just about the mortgage they give. When a bank brings you in, it's all the different products like the you know, the TFSA, the, the, the mutual funds, the RSPs, all the different products they're going to get you once they get you as a client. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's, you know, my, my expertise comes in mortgages and what you can do with the funds you have. So, for example, let's say you're a client that comes in and wants to buy a house for 500000 and you have $100,000 down. Okay? Okay. I'll sit you down and I say, okay, well, Orchid, what is it that you want? You're like, I want to buy a house. I'm like, just one house? So, what do you mean? Well, you have to consider growing your portfolio. Instead of putting that 500000 in just one house, why don't we put that money into one house and then you know, wait a year and invest the rest into another house? You know? So that's what differentiates uh, just the regular individual from the bank, if you want to call it, to someone who actually generally is there to build a long-term five to 10-year plan with you. Yes. You know, I've had a lot of people that help their net worth grow 
based on you know in a lot of a lot of people are not aware of this you know they have a hundred thousand dollars and they don't realize how much that can do for them right yeah no i if you had asked me that question and i came to you looking for a mortgage i don't know if i would have an answer i do know that you know i would like to own properties in maybe different countries but i would not have been able to answer that question because five years and ten years anything can happen anything can change opportunities can come out of nowhere and i i wouldn't be able to predict the future so i would not be able to answer that question at all that's what i'm here for (laughs) and i'll use myself as a perfect example the first property i bought my intention was hey let's pay off this mortgage as fast as i can yeah if, if i thought the way i thought like Four year, four years ago, I would have taken my funds and put it into several properties, especially with the market we have. You know, instead of me having one property that grew a certain amount, I would have invested my eggs in more than just one basket. Okay. All right. Because you have a, you have residual income coming in from properties. Those are all aspects that you need to consider with the funds that you have available. That's very true. Then I would have needed to just kind of meditate on what you said before making a decision. So. I might be a really bad client <laughs> in that sense. I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're not. <laughs> what kind of... Requ- you- yes? Go ahead. I was going to ask what kind of requirements need to be met before booking an appointment with you, the mortgage specialist. It's simple phone call or, you know, people can email me and from there we can set up an appointment to whether talk on the phone, do a virtual meet, meet at the office or, um, you know, email um, whenever I do meet in person, especially with COVID. Um... I think it's moving forward too. I usually ask for a list of documents to be prepared at the time of meeting because if I have those documents available, I can give you a pre-approval within 24 hours. Okay, that is something I did not know because I was wondering, as a mortgage specialist, do you offer pre-approved mortgages? Yep, and they're, they're not just good for 30 or 60 days. As long as nothing changes and you don't go buy a brand new car, uh, the pre-approval I give you based on the income you have Mm-hmm. It's good until you want to purchase a property. Uh, a lot of people have this uh, myth where, you know, your pre-approval is good only for 90 days, where it's actually not even good for 90 If you go and get a pre-approval tomorrow and then go lose your job or go buy a brand new car, but now you have a debt that you didn't have when you got your pre-approval, and now you lost a job that you had when you got your pre-approval. Hmm. Right? So a pre-approval is literally just going based on the income you have and the debts you have. So if you're saying, all right, I'm going to buy a house maybe in, in, in four months, five months, I say, your pre-approval is still good with me because your, 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 your situation has not changed, right? Yeah. Or the other, other side is, oh, I got a pre-approval 30 days ago. I'm good for 90 days, but now I lost my job. Well, that pre-approval is not good anymore because it's going based on the income you have and the debts you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I just learned something as well. I know a lot of people that are currently looking into pre-approved mortgages and they have kind of held back because they're, they're really not sure if they, you know, have everything like their ducks are their ducks in a row. And so, you know, they've never know if they do contact a mortgage specialist, if the mortgage specialist is going to be like, you know what, go deal with all of these aspects. And when you're ready and when you have all your ducks in a row, you can come back and we will talk about how giving you a pre-approved mortgages. So I, this is the reason why I asked the question, what kind of requirements? I'm sure, you know, just having random people call off the street just because just for fun is not something that's ideal for you. But I was just wondering if, you know, if those are still beneficial for you, even if 
these people are just inquiring? I'll never say no to an inquiry. I'm always here to help whoever I can help out. It's it's whether or not they want the, the help, right? So um, for me, as I said, my business isn't, you know, there's certain people's business is providing the most competitive rate. For me, it's uh, growing a business that's repetable uh, and based on uh, value and customer service and building a long-term relationship, right? So if someone calls me off the streets, I'm always here to answer their calls. Um, every client situation is very different. Um, no two mortgages, believe it or not, are the same. Mm-hmm. So where is your office located? We are at 291 Olmstead. Okay. Any or or the comfort of my couch. So I work a couple of days from home, and then I work a couple of days at the office just to change the scenery. And where can people find you on social media? On social media, you can Google me, Maziar Hedayati, uh, or Maziar Mortgages. And you can also find me on Instagram uh, at Maziar Mortgages. So M-A-Z-I-A-R-M-O-R-T-G-A-G-E-S. I would say that's the best way to contact me by cell phone, 613-859-6433. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast today. I am so glad that I was able to have this discussion, hear your point of view. I don't know anything about mortgage specialists, so you have truly educated me today. It's been a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this uh, podcast. I know we started talking a couple of months ago, and uh, I mean, I've done a podcast before, but for some reason I was really excited to catch up with you and, you know, just just catch up and talk about mortgages and just life in general. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now, everyone, follow his social media if you are looking for pre-approved mortgage here in Ottawa. He is the best person to talk to, as you can see from the podcast episode and how he explained himself. He really sold himself, guys. So you know that you are going to get the best service from him. So follow him on social media, contact him, ask him a few questions. If you're scared, there's no such thing as a stupid question. He's been there. He's He's understanding. So definitely reach out to him, contact him, and get as much information as you possibly can to be a very well informed first time home homeowner you're gonna say it better i know one thing i always tell people no questions a stupid question <laughs> that's right <laughs> thank you so much you're, you're very welcome it's been my pleasure uh, let's do this again soon oh i'm gonna bring you back i will i promise i can't wait <laughs> okay wonderful thank you Thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast episode. I hope you have learned as much as you could from our podcast guest today. Visit our social media page for updates on our next guests per week um, and our guests on the YouTube channel. Our social media pages are Facebook at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. You can find our TAO Intentions podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Follow and share your favorite podcast episode with your friends and family. Have a splendid day.